So uh, Taylor Hawkins passed a, a couple weeks ago, and I was kind of thumbing around on the internet looking at Foo Fighters stuff. And oh, well, for those of you that don't know, Taylor Hawkins was the drummer for the rock band, the Foo Fighters. Um, and he passed a couple weeks ago. And like I said, I was goofing around on the internet and came across this little blurb about him. And I thought it was a really neat snapshot about the character of the person that was Taylor Hawkins. So it goes. I used to be a manager at a guitar center that was very close to the Foo Fighters rehearsal studio. Dave and Taylor would come in all the time either to pick up random supplies or just hang out. Grohl was a big goof. We even gave him a name badge that said David and put him behind the counter to mess with people. And Taylor would slink off to the drum department and hang out with kids. Once I had to look up his account for some reason and noticed that he had thousands of dollars worth of charges for drum equipment. And he had done this almost weekly for some time. But I'd never seen him leave with anything that that big, you know, that that much cost. So I went to my boss to raise concerns about potential fraud. And my boss told me the guy basically never came in without buying something for a kid. What a class act. I agree, what a class act, sir. Helping yourself sometimes can start by helping others. Each week, I'm going to start the show with an opportunity for you to do just that. This week's offering is Dog Tags, a nonprofit from Johnson County, Indiana. Dog Tags love our veterans, and we raise funds through charity events to assist those struggling in our community. We are pleased to announce our first event this year is the second annual Comedy Night, Saturday, May 21st at 7 p.m., held at the Greenwood, Indiana VFW Post 5864, featuring Dave the King Wilson. Dave has headlined across the nation, enjoyed a long stint on the Bob and Tom radio show, as well as being the voice of the Indianapolis 500. Dave will be joined by special guests Blake Champlain and Michael Delp. Tickets are $25 in advance, $30 at the door, And if you'd like to purchase tickets or cannot attend but would still like to help our veterans, visit www.jccf.org slash give one time. You can also contact them through Facebook at Dog Tags of Johnson County or email at dogtagsjc at gmail.com. Hey, fella. Welcome back to Random Entry. So this week, I thought I would go back to the let's learn something new so that we could have like a fun fact if somebody's kind of throwing out some random ideas or whatever. And maybe I give you a a thing that you can talk about. And this is a thing that I love to talk about when I'm in a group of people and everybody's kind of throwing things around like that. A few years ago, it's actually July 30th, I looked it up. July 30th in 2016, Radio Lab, which is another podcast that does a, a, lot, of li- a, a lot of science style projects and real life things that they do, uh, just a bunch of different subjects and, and give you like a 30-minute blurb about a subject they've taken an interest in and kind of give you an overview, but but a really good over, overview. It's actually a really good podcast. One of my favorites. 
Anyway, July 30th, 2016, the name of it is From Tree to Shining Tree. And what it talks about is trees talk. And that's usually how I start the thing. Did you know trees talk? And after listening to that podcast, I truly believe that they do talk. So they, they start talking about the, the connections between trees. And normally trees of a different species are competitors, but not always. Sometimes they almost get symbiotic. And actually you can see that in like a, a large copse of trees. You see how different trees, they, they interact. And you notice that um, the crown, the very tops of the trees, are never like bunched together. Everybody talks about trees competing all the time. The, the way they talked about this is if the two trees are basically amenable to living side by side, they actually will grow away from each other so as they don't intertwine um, their branches so as to not injure themselves or the other tree. And not that that gives any indication that they're communicating, but it's definitely, it shows that the trees are aware of one another. Now, the thing that I thought was most interesting about how they interacted, and this is kind of what sold me, was so when you when you look at a, a few trees around and you see that like locusts or, or, or whatever bug comes and eats a tree, and we've all seen it like, the east side of a tree is completely eaten off. And you notice it doesn't affect anything around it. It's just that one tree. Well, it's not that that tree's sick. Actually, scientists have proven that when a when something like that happens to a tree, um, like an animal starts to eat on it, it, it gets to a point and the tree goes, you know, oh, crap, this is really starting to harm me. Well... It says to the other trees, hey, man, there's this bug is eating me. It obviously likes the way that I taste. Well, the other trees will actually change their like internal chemistry to try and make their leaves, you know, basically taste bad to whatever's eating them. Now, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, they talk like it's almost like a guessing game with the trees. They'll change to an easy thing, and if that doesn't work, you know, the, the following tree will try to change to something worse until hopefully they find the right combination of whatever that this bug will stop eating it, and then it, like, spreads the word. That, to me, is communication. And they, they proved this, actually. They put... Two trees, and if I remember right, it was a birch tree. It's been a little while since I listened to the podcast, and I just kind of wanted to give it to you as I remembered it, not get deep. I mean, if this is something you want to chase down, like I said, radio lab. But anyway, they had two trees, and they put them, I think it was 50 yards apart, one on a hill and one at the bottom of the hill, and no other thing between them, and then basically set, this bug on one of the, on the tree on the top of the hill. And as it's eating this tree, 
they tested the other tree and they watched it almost immediately. It would change its chemical composition to where there was a different taste or enzyme on the leaves, hoping that the bug wouldn't come down and eat that. So they started there and then they, they talked about how they communicate because obviously, well, not obviously because they do make sounds, but how do they communicate because we don't see them talk? And that's where I think the really pretty neat thing is, is called my mycorrhizal, right? Mycorrhizal fungi. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. I, th- I believe I'm saying it right. Anyway, so this fungi that lives in the ground, it lives in symbiosis with all trees. And I, I'm sure it does plants as well, but we're talking trees today. So what this fungus does is the way it was explained, it's almost like the internet in that it transmits what one tree is saying to another tree. And in this fungi in the ground, I guess it's everywhere in the ground. I'm not a botanist, so I don't know, you know, a lot about that stuff. But the way I understand it is you pick up a handful of dirt and you've got 20 feet of this fungi. It's very small. It's like the size of an eyelash. And it's hollow, like a tube. And what it does is... So a tree, when it drives its roots in the ground, for the most part, it's for stability. And the roots can't draw water except at the tips, the very ends of the roots. The rest of it is, like I said, for stability and all that. That's where this fungi, mycorrhizal fungi, comes in. And what it does is it can draw more water And the way that it works, it can draw all the minerals, all the nutrients from the soil. It can even do it from, it can even draw nutrients from dead animals. And it will suck all this stuff up and bring it to the roots. And the tree, when it gets, it converts carbon dioxide into sugar. I'm pretty sure I'm right. (laughs) We'll have a conversation that maybe I'm completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. It converts CO2 to sugar, which is part of the reason why a tree can grow as tall as it can and remain, you know, stable, not like wave around like grass. But it also needs these minerals. It needs more water than it can, than its roots can draw in. It needs all of these other things. And this fungi they like share the tree will pump sugar to this fungi, which will keep it active and fed and the fungi funnel in nutrients and water and all the other things that the tree needs to survive. So anyway, so with this fungi everywhere, what the tree does is it trades off these things and then it also will send signals to other trees And that whole communication thing is 
like in the winter, when a tree loses all its leaves, it actually takes all of its sugar and pushes it down to this fungi, and the fungi hold it until the spring, and then they push it back into the tree, and the tree, you know, like comes back to like you know out comes out of dormancy, I guess, from the winter. And this also works with trees that are dying or trees that are struggling, like the earlier the, the bugs coming and eating them. It has to heal. Um, the surrounding trees will actually push, they will give nutrients to this fungi and tell the fungi to take it to the injured tree. And that's how these trees recover is from the other trees, which I, again, I, you know, how is that not communication? They see that something's in trouble and it pushes its nutrients to it to help it revive itself. And actually the opposite holds true as well. If this tree knows that it's going to die and I get no, but it, there's some sort of self-awareness when a tree gets to a point it pushes all of its nutrients out of it into this fungi and it actually shares it amongst all the trees that it's connected to. And by the trees it's connected to, um, one of the things I saw was the older the tree is, the, the bigger the tree is, the more connected, which kind of makes sense. But I guess the more connected, they've, they've seen trees that are connected to over 50 trees you know outside of itself and i thought you know that's if you think about it, 50 trees that's a lot of stinking space well they've this fungus they've uh, measured to stretch out to at least seven miles so even if you're seeing a tree in the middle of a field it's probably connected to another tree so i thought that was really cool and then they talked about how if you bring two trees in, they can recognize uh, families and siblings. Like if you've got, uh, for sake of conversation, you've got an oak tree and you cut a, a branch off of an oak tree, however you do that, you know what I'm talking about. You take the, the branch off and you go plant it and make a new tree. So that would be like a a, a, a parent-child relationship. I guess that those trees grow the absolute best. And then if it's a seed from that tree, again, another child, those grow the best. And if it's a group, you know, you've got basically a family, like if one oak tree starts and it does the seeding all around it, and you've got 20 trees. Well, that's a family of trees, right? So if you bring in an oak tree from somewhere else that obviously wasn't uh, germinated or whatever the word is, that didn't come from that group of trees, you bring this tree in, I guess it really, in comparison, really, really struggles because these other trees will kind of shut it out. And that's when, like, um, people talk about 
how trees will choke out another tree. They do that, but not always. And it has a lot to do with what family it is. Um, like they gave an example of, I think it was an elm and a birch and they cut down or no, a birch and a fir. That's what it was. And they cut down the birch tree and the fir tree died. Again, there's some sort of symbiotic relationship there, some sort of interaction that these trees have that we're just now starting to figure out is happening. Um, This is coming from major universities. I know Harvard did a study on it, and I, I believe this original came from USC. Or or something on the on the west coast, and I want to say USC. That sounds right to me. But yeah, I just thought this was really neat, and it got a lot of ridicule at first, and probably about like you when you're listening to me talk about yeah, whatever trees talk. But this is really starting to gain traction, and there are a lot of people in the science community now that that don't even refute this anymore it's it's just really becoming accepted that we're just not understanding what they're saying you know they're speaking a language and we're not getting it they also talk about how if you listen you know if <laughs> if no one's in the forest you hear the trees well i guess they've set up listening devices in forests and there is all kinds of sound and it's tree to tree they they make sounds from the sap i guess on the inside there's a there's a popping and a you know a kind of a thing you know um liquids moving about and i guess it's occasionally there's a pattern to it and the insect life responds to it and other plant life respond to it. I, it's just, you know, to me, it's about as neat as it gets. I've, I've always felt like there is a, an interconnectedness, everything alive there. There's something there. I mean, we're all made basically out of the same things. So why wouldn't there be just, we're not understanding. We're just now getting, well, maybe not just now. Maybe we're just now remembering that this stuff went on where, you know, our ancestors long ago could build a pyramid. We can't figure out how to do that either. And maybe they talked to trees and we lost the ability or the the way to listen. I don't know, but I think it's really neat that we're starting to see this again. You know, the, this language of the earth, I guess that trees talk to one another there. I, I just saw a study the other day that fish talk to one another. And I think that stuff is amazing. I, I, I don't know. I I'm excited that that it seems like we're starting to pay a little more attention to that kind of stuff. And I think it's neat that they talk like this. It's 
it, I don't know. It's just the, the whole thing. It's, I'm excited, I guess. And I wanted to share that with you. Sorry that I'm, I'm pausing and stammering a little bit, but I think it's a really neat thing that we are recognizing that we're not the only things on the planet that think. And I think there's a lot more of that going on and, and we just don't recognize it. We don't understand it. So we've ignored it for a long time. And now people are, you know, if this talks, well, then why doesn't this? Why doesn't this? And and now we're really starting to explore that. And I don't, maybe it'll make us a little kinder in the future. I mean, I understand that trees are going to get cut down. Oh, speaking of cut down, that was another thing that they said com- trees communicate. So I guess there's a there's a vibration. I'll just totally ramp off here. There's a, a vibration to most trees. You know, there's a whatever at whatever megahertz that we can't hear. It's too low or too high or whatever. We don't uh, hear it or feel it really. But I guess when a tree is cut down, that tenor changes. And there are scientists that saying that maybe it's that tree screaming, which I think it's cool that we recognize it, but it kind of makes me sad that, you know, this is what we're hearing, you know, and this is what it potentially could be if they are a, a thinking entity. But yeah, um, like I said, Radio Lab went into it. I, I really enjoyed that podcast. I know there are a couple other things that have also jumped in on, on that the, these theories and taken them further. But yeah, a little introduction to it. Thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a fun conversation. Hey, fella, if you made it this far, I'd like to close the show with three more things because I like multiples of threes. First, if you have a suggestion, comment, or would like to be on the show, please shoot an email to randomentry at ymail.com. Secondly, if you love books and just can't get enough of my voice, you can hear me along with my friends Carol, Jenny, and George on the Last Page Bookcast. We pick a book a month to read and have some fun discussing it and whatever else comes to mind. Mostly revolving around books, but only mostly. Third and most importantly, thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye.